This podcast is brought to you by Rising Star Football Edition, the board game of dreams where you can have the chance to play out a footballer's career of your own. Win career points, earn money and gain fame, all in the hope of defeating your rivals, having the greatest career and being crowned Rising Star Champion. The Kickstarter campaign is now live where you can score a copy of the game itself for just £30. There are also limited edition rewards available to Kickstarter backers, so be sure to check them out. This comes from one of our own in the community who has used some of their Football Index profits to invest in their dream of creating a board game business. So be sure to visit Kickstarter and support the campaign today. Find out more at Rising Star Football Edition. Hello and welcome back to the Football Index Podcast, episode 154. Last week's episode with Seb Wassell was an awesome one, over two and a half hours of Football Index podcast great content and people really enjoyed it it's got loads and loads of downloads i think it's going to be not record-breaking but close to i think it's going to end up as a top 10 15 downloaded most downloaded episode of all time which is super awesome especially for seb who thought the whole thing was utter shit so thank you very much everyone for listening thank you very much for um, all the kind words and, and thank you very much for everyone who's, who's left a review recently really appreciate that um Today, I've got another great guest. A lot of people have been saying that the guest has been great recently, and, and that rolls on. Uh, Perry FI, how are you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. Thanks for inviting me on. Good to be here. Absolutely, my pleasure. Why don't you tell people more a little bit about yourself and a bit about your football index journey? Because I think it's kind of a unique one um, compared to a lot of the guests that I've had on the few, in the past. Yeah, so uh, started on the index in 2018, in August, just before the season started. Um a friend of mine, I'll talk about what I did for a living in a second, but a friend of mine came over to me and goes, mate, I've found this thing. It's amazing. I need someone to get obsessed with it. So I have someone to talk to about it, which was his sell to me. And I was like, okay. Um, so had a look. he told me they were just about to start Sky Sports advertising. Uh, so they made a ton of no users. Um, had a look, absolutely loved it. There was like, so I guess I was on the back of that post World Cup uh pre sort of sky sports advertising boom and then from from the moment i looked at it the moment i started reading about it um absolutely loved it um yeah <laughs> what a product it is and it is still today there's a lot of negativity around the moment but it still is you know the the underlying product is fantastic um so yeah my background career-wise so i've always worked for investment banks um doing in the in a commodity trading environment my most recent position was in a CRO role uh, for commodity trading. Uh, I've sort of done every position in and around the trading floor. I've never actually been a trader, but I am an approved person to do so. Um, so sort of you know, half an idea what I'm talking about. Um, although traders are very particular, so no one knows other than me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it, it, it helps, you know, for the, for the index. Um, yeah, so the idea of it being an exchange, uh, I, I liked. Um, and then, you know, gambling-wise, um, I've done, uh, you know, I've always liked to gamble in different ways. Uh, I'm in a, a syndicate with a good friend of mine who's a, an energy trader, a, a top company in in, um, in London. And we've, for about 15 years, we've had the, the, you know, the two of us have invested in like the whole sort of horse racing uh, season and we just follow that and that sort of all culminates in a, a week at Cheltenham which we, yeah, it's just like it's like a fun thing yeah, I make money out of it but it's more fun to be honest 
Um, I like that. You know, I've had periods in my life where I've sort of earned money uh, as my primary source of income has been playing poker. This is like the party poker days years ago. Um, like uh, I've done that kind of thing and just, you know, and then occasional football bets. But uh, yeah, so, so I don't mind t- managing risk. I'm sort of open to it. But uh, yeah, like, so the football index ticked so many boxes for me. Huge football fan. You know, you can, you can gamble on it. You can, uh, it's something that's new. And, you know, uh, it's a, uh, yeah, as the exchange element, I just thought it was fantastic. An absolute brilliant pro- uh, product. So uh, that took my interest. And then, it, as as many people say, it just grew and grew for me personally. You 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 do a few trades, it's great, and then you you put more money in because you think this is brilliant. You learn more. You make every mistake going at the beginning. You learn from it, and then uh, you know here we are now with like some sort of form of order books uh, that we'll talk about later. But um, yeah, just never regret. Great, great, great product. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you've got an awesome background, you know, CEO, commodities trading company, banking background, uh, betting syndicates, <laughs> um, at one point a pro poker player. I think uh, it's it's pretty much culminated into the, the time you're in now where I guess FI you were mentioning to me is maybe the primary thing that you're focused on. Yeah, so uh, uh, yeah, so we were just chatting just before. So December, January uh, this year, I decided that um, I've got a, uh, uh, two kids under school age. One's four weeks old at the moment, and I thought, you know, I'm just going to take some time out. Um, I'll, uh, I'll um, yeah, spend some time at home. Um, so I left, I left that that, uh, that investment banking world, and uh, yeah, so football index for nine months roughly has been my, my, my primary source of income and I absolutely love it. It's been, uh, <laughs> it's been fantastic. You know, um, it's just been a, an enjoyable thing to do. You know, the, the, I'm at home. I spend my mornings uh, in the gym. I spend my afternoons listening to podcasts, football podcasts, of course, Figs podcasts first always. Uh, and, <laughs> a good uh, thing to say right now. Yes. Yeah, of course. I'm sure that'll make the edit Fig. Uh, and uh and then and then uh watching sky sports news and uh yeah and then following the index you know i, I certainly do a bit more short-term trading now i've got more time and i get to spend time with my wife i get to spend time with uh my kids and uh yeah really thoroughly enjoyed it and what a fantastic platform that it allows me to do that awesome awesome i, I mean one of the things that i wanted to ask is with the friends you've got from you know banking uh commodities what's their reaction when you kind of introduce them to fi you, you obviously have such passion for the product and that's no doubt probably resonated in conversations that you've had with with people that you're still friends with from that kind of background yeah so um there's, there's different opinions there's there's uh, uh some guys are like oh unless i can short it i don't want to be on it and then they're maybe a bit stubborn about it. Or um, some guys will be, oh, the boom's already been missed. I'm not going to join. And then it keeps going up, of course. Uh, and to be honest, all of the guys that have said negative reasons for not being on it, they're, they're now on it and they absolutely love it. I've got this WhatsApp group with uh, some guys and, you know, like it's just we're all in trouble with our wives because our phones are going off nonstop just talking about this sort of stuff and who's doing what and different players and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're interested. Um, yeah, and it's, it's, people always – I think there is a perception that unless you're on Twitter or something, you're not a trader on index. You know, there's a lot of guys with, you know, some decent-sized portfolios that aren't into social media and there's a, 
uh, you know, we, sometimes we can get a real snapshot and a real sort of small bubble of what people are thinking on the index. But there'll be a lot of people that think this is amazing. I'm happy for my money to be there, but they just don't feel the need to write that in 160 characters online. Yeah, Twitter is an edit for everyone, and it's it's certainly a bubble. It's the the medium that I primarily use, but I've got a, a WhatsApp group myself with a few mates of mine from from home that certainly aren't large portfolios at all. Um, maybe one of them has four figures in there, uh, but they are all on the index, and and half of them aren't on Twitter. So I think there is this perception sometimes that the be all and end all of the FI community is on social media. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's interesting. So, I mean, everyone loves it. And, and you know, as we all know, this order book thing is a big change. And <laughs> we'll talk about that more in a few minutes. But, you know, that certainly attracts the kind of guys that I hang out with, the kind of guys that I talk to. And, you know, we don't have full functionality at the moment. We will do. Um, but the, the fact that NASDAQ and the fact that you can, you know, now place orders and bids and things makes it attractive. And, I think we've had some extreme volatility the, the, the last couple of weeks, but volatility, I sent a tweet about it. Volatility is where you make your money. And that's, that's what my friends are you know, attracted to. Yeah. So um, I don't think people should be worried about it, but I, I understand why a lot of people don't understand that. And they think it's scary. Yeah, for sure. And I think we're going to get into all of that and, and much, much more in, in a bit. But first off, I need to remind you all about the Patreon. If you don't know what a Patreon is, it's where content creators create premium bonus and behind the scenes content for their audience. In my case, I'll be trying to help traders profit more on their football index journeys and helping them become better traders. There's £3, £5, £8 and £12 tiers, all with different great perks. So do check it out for the best football index content around. £3 tier gets you the podcast early. £5 tier gets you a monthly private podcast and a private blog for myself. The £8 tier gets you access to the Discord and the £12 tier gets you access to all the below plus webinars that are done on the monthly basis, which are, are pretty awesome, if I may say so myself. So do go check it out at patreon.com forward slash FI guide. So that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash FI guide for, uh, in my opinion, the best uh, Football Index content uh, in the world, I guess. Um, I'm also going to plug the State of Play podcast. Go over to the uh, State of Play podcast on all your podcasts podcast providers or on twitter at state of play pod um that's my other podcast about the top five european leagues and the mls and also do me a favor fill out my fig survey uh if you go to bit.ly forward slash fig survey you will enter your chance uh, yourself in for a chance of winning a 25 pound amazon voucher and it will help me out enormously so do please go and fill that out a few hundred of you have already which uh, i find really awesome um although i've been shoving it down your throats but do <laughs> do help me out and go check that survey out and uh, yeah it's like five minutes of your time time you might be winning 25 quid and you might you'll be helping me out so it's a win-win-win isn't it uh, got some nice comments and miscellaneous questions here for you perry as you're a spurs fan how much dividends do you think bell will win this season how many goals and assists do you think he'll get if he's fit for the whole season so let's you know park that he's not going to be fit for a whole season um well this is i mean we're, we'll open up here this is arsenal versus tottenham so there's to be a negative and a, and a positive angle on this between the two of us um, you told me you're not really a Spurs fan. You're a Spurs sufferer, though. Uh, that is true, but I think that, that well, that is true, isn't it? Because uh, <laughs> you know, I I, uh, I wish Spurs were as poor as Arsenal are, where they just win trophies all the time, even though being like not that great. Spurs just seem to be a bit average. But, um, 
the, my favourite part of this question, because my, my heart sank when I first started reading it, was I've got, already got my caveat that if, if he's fit for the whole season. So I'm going to talk on the most bullish uh, version of this, where he is fit for the whole season. So I, I think that, yeah, Bell will... will score a decent amount of goals this season. Uh, I'm going to say, to, you know, I've been called out here to, to give a number, but between yeah, 12, 16, that kind of number, sort of number that Sun has, really. So, uh, And, you know, I think he's going to apply himself at Spurs. And, you know, from an index perspective, which really what we're talking about here is like how many dividends and things like that, I see Gareth Bell in this, like, there's a small number of players on the index where when they are a match winner, they also win media. And that's really important. Yeah. So, um, do I think he's going to be rivaling a Kimmich or someone on that for average PV? No. But do I think he's every chance of winning the odd bronze silver day? I, I do. You know, and now, if you know, for a player, his profile, if he is playing on a random midweek night for Spurs, scores a winner, all the headlines are Bow, you know, Bow wins it for Tottenham. Um, he's going to be picking up his, uh, you know, his match day div. And he's probably going to get media. And because of the increase the index has done, that dividend is more than you used to get for a positional gold day. You know? So I think that's very important for someone like Bell. So I'm not saying he's going to go up, going to go down, whatever he's going to do. But I think people should be... Uh, I prefer talking about types of players. And I think he is the type of player that if you can like double tap that, that media as well as a match day dividend, you're just going to be increasing your, your payout. So, an interesting one to follow this year um, and potentially a lot of money to be made and and, and, and the brilliant kind of hold and one of the reasons I love Football Index is because we can debate this. You, know, you can get on arguments on Twitter or with your friends. How many dividends is he going to win? How's he going to do? He's injured. He's going to be this. He doesn't care. He's going to play golf. And then you get proven right, you get proven wrong and then you gloat about it. And So this is one of the reasons I love Football Index. Exactly that. You can gamble on these sort of things. I've got no interest in gambling on Gareth Bale being the first goal scorer in his first game. I'm not going to do that, but I, I do own it, I'll be honest. But like, I'm, I'm happy of holding him at the moment for the reasons I just gave. Yeah, I think the nuance in the bet is the beauty of Football Index. I think I said that a few times. I think I've probably said the word nuance a bit too much on this podcast, but that is what makes FI so fantastic. And for me, I mean, I said it you know, on the podcast, I think he's reasonably priced i can understand the attraction but also think there's great risk there and i think that's the the beauty of football index right like like you don't it's not black and white like he's gonna score the first goal or he's not you could be 70 percent right if that makes sense and still make a decent amount of money um so it's interesting to see how um people are kind of modifying the way that they approach these situations in particular um by knowing that it's not a uh, kind of go go hard or go home or, or win a go home situation. It's huge. And and also, you know, we'll talk about this more, but order books makes me more comfortable to hold Gareth Bow than I would do previously. Because, you know, meanwhile we all know it's a young man's game on the index. You know, he's what, thirty-one. You know, I'd probably have a an exit point on him. Now I don't know, I can't tell you when he'll hit that point. But I can have a, a trade sitting there well I, we'll talk about it later about how high that trade is <laughs> where if he hits that price i might still be bullish on him but uh you know i can exit at that price and that makes me more comfortable to have, hold someone like bow that could be quite volatile um, you know if he gets an injury go down a lot 
Um, you know, if he's not great on his first game, there'll be so much pressure on him. But meanwhile, you know, the first game doesn't really matter. So you can you you can enter into more trades like this now, knowing that you can just have a, a an order sat there that will get matched while you're uh, you know you're out having lunch with your friends or something, and then you you reach targeting. So uh, that that gives me more comfort on this kind of hold. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, and something we'll get into a lot more in the kind of. Uh, further bits of this podcast when we discuss order books at more length and kind of really pick your your brains uh, you know the, the kind of experience you've had in in the financial services world and also the trading worlds i think it's going to be a really interesting conversation i've got a question here from fi spark top three non-pb league players to have the most capital appreciation in the next year three years also does working in investment banking help benefit your football index portfolio if so why so let's go for the first one yeah, they're two very different questions. Um, so, uh, yeah, one is like pump your whole, you pump your portfolio, and the other one is tell us about investment banking. Um, so, uh, free, free non PB players, um, and also give me three years. I mean, that's a long time. Uh, but uh, I'd say number one for me is uh, now. I hope this pronounces right. Sabosly, the guy Salzburg in Tuckenhagen. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I I just think he's you're just going to name three Salzburg players, aren't you? I'm going to name two. <laughs> yeah, you jumped ahead, Jeffy. Uh, <laughs> I'll get the Dakar in a minute. Um, but uh, yeah, he looks like he's got a PB suited game. I mean, this question specifically has been non-PB leagues, so we're 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 going off smaller information, right? So you're going to be wilder in your predictions, and uh, you, anytime you're using less data to analyze, you know. Yeah, you, 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 there's going to be some uh, variation here on, your, on the outcome. But for Sebastian, for me, you know, he takes penalties. Or he scored a penalty, was it last night, night before? Um, he scored, I think it was something like eight free kicks last season. So, I mean, you could be in any league in the world. Yeah, the one he scored in the international be, break was ridiculous, wasn't it? Oh, it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Oh, yeah, I loved that. My phone lit up when that, that happened. <laughs> was texting me and stuff. Um, and he's the kind of player that... that I like on the index. Um, you know, he plays in that, you know, he can play in the hole. He plays on the left side quite often. You know, he crosses the ball a lot. We all know that that's good on the index. He has key chances created. He plays for a team that is going to sell him, guaranteed. It's not going to stay in Austria forever. That doesn't mean he's guaranteed to do well, but he's, he, I'd say he's going to move. Uh, you know, you hope he goes to a top club or, or a club that's going to help him grow. So I like him. Uh, I like him a lot. This, this see how, you know, I certainly want exposure to him. This, uh, and again, the beauty of the index is see how he does. But I, I want exposure. You know, I, I won't predict there'll be the. Yeah, you know, he's the one I'm most confident about. But who knows what will happen? Um, I'll, I'll give you a little heads up. Oh, Dakar, I think he's a fantastic player at, uh, at Salzburg. Um, shoots both feet. He, he scores tons of goals. You know, I think uh, Harlan's helped him a lot. Harlan gives him credibility by leaving that league. And scoring and carrying on to, to score loads of goals. Um, yeah, it's that the game against Liverpool the other day. You see him like you know, power and pacing past the, uh, you know, so quick against um, you know Van Dijk. You know, he just looks good uh, every, every time he plays. You know, my sofa score is starting, and I give it an hour, and I get another one saying he scored. You know, I just think that a lot of people want goal scorers. There's a cap for like pure number nines on the index, but there's a lot of there's a lot of clubs that need. Um, some you know, a goal scorer they've got some older players up front or someone like united that doesn't really have a number nine so uh, i can see him uh doing well and then i've been asked for a third one uh, i'm less certain on a third one 
but uh, I like the guys in the Netherlands. There's a few, um, Maiden, Etaran, Bodu, Stengs. I think they're all, I kind of see them as the same player in terms of, you know, I, like as I said earlier, I, I think of players in types of players and exposure. So I'm not going to guess which one's the best, but I like that kind of hold. Yeah, the, I, we all know that the Dutch league is a feeder league. They're all scoring goals. They're all doing assists. Um, and I'm happy to have exposure to them. Cool. I think you've answered that really well. Um, I, I like that uh, that notion of like wanting exposure to a certain type of player, even if you don't necessarily believe that they will be amazing and they will rise loads or they will gain loads of dividends. It's the exposure in case other people think that, if that makes sense. 100%. I, I categorize my holds like that. Rather than, and of course, I, I might exaggerate how correct I was afterwards on an individual hold, but more the sort of the type of player I want. And I can always sell, and I can always add to my my exposure when the time happens. But right now, I just want to be exposed to those guys. Mm. And also, does working in investment banking help benefit your football index portfolio? That's another in- interesting question. Yeah, I, I, I think definitely. Uh, it doesn't make me pick better footballers, and it doesn't mean you should listen to the individual footballers I, I mentioned. But yeah. I think, you know, especially where we're at now on the index, where, you know, I think I've sent a few posts and you'll see the likes of Lee Lee has got like a semi-similar background to me. And, um, you know, who, by the way, I, th- I think your best podcast uh, that you've done, uh, other than everyone with, uh, with uh, Panda. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's, it helps you, you know, when, when the market's going down, you're not worried and when the market's going up you probably don't exaggerate because you're just used to it um you're used to seeing those market moves and you don't panic and you don't overreact you know and and when you know human human beings are actually awful traders as just (laughs) naturally so um when when price we all know right it's very simple you buy low sell high right it's very 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 simple trade you know you make a profit but the hu- human reaction is prices are going down. Oh, I'm worried. I'm going to sell. Or, you know, I've seen loads of tweets about this recently. Mm, I'm not going to buy it until prices start going up. I mean, that is nonsense. Yeah, in, in, <laughs> in, in a pure logical you know, take. I, and I get why people say that. So maybe that was a bit flippant. But, um, you know, in a, in a pure trading, pure logical way, it's weird. You know, you wouldn't have a, um, you know, I want to, I'm in the market for a new TV and there's a sale on at Curry's at the moment. I'm like, oh, I'll probably wait a bit. I'll wait <laughs> till the price starts going up, and then I'm going to buy it. You know, that's in real basic terms. I know I'm stripping it back, and I know there's more to it. Um, you know, but that's essentially what people naturally do. Uh, you know, I'm going to wait till the market goes up, and then I'm going to make things be more expensive, and I'm going to put more money in. So it's more that kind of rational, just experience of prices going up and down, and not really not really caring so much. Yeah. You know, and Libby in particular, um, he, he talked, he spoke a lot recently about any, and on your pod as well around the PNL number and people need to ignore that. And that is, that is spot on because if your view is you're going to sell your port now, then, you know, then you need to be all over that number. But if you're not, you need to break it down trade by trade. So I've had some fantastic trades recently, um, where, I had a view on a player. I knew there'd be demand. I knew there'd be liquidity. I've exited positions and it's been great. Now, my overall P&L number that day might be down, 
but the, that's because someone I'm not looking to sell has gone down and I couldn't really care less. Where I've, I've sort of banked some nice money on a player, I, I, I you know, I, as, as planned. And so at a time like this, people really need to think about trade by trade and why you've, you know, a lot of your guests, I think, done well, another very good podcast, sort of spoke about, you know, he challenges himself why he owns a player and where, where he's going to exit. And people need to be focusing on that kind of stuff. Um, and then you, you kind of ignore the PL. I mean, for me, when I was working at the, at the bank, we would have certain trades on where, I, I mean, you can't do this on the index, but bear with me for a second. Like, uh, we would agree a fixed price with, a, with a, a, a client in a year's time, say. And let's just say we bought a 1,000. I was going to talk these basic terms here. Uh, don't need to talk about what a product was. And I'm going to sell at 2,000 in a year's time. Now, in between that time, the price might go up, it might go down. And then they're, they're very smart people. You know, I get called in by the CEO saying, you know, they're, they're, we're being valued at our trade against what the current price is. And that might have gone down to 500. And he goes, you guys lost, you know, like a million dollars yesterday. I was like, well, we didn't. And that's only if we sold right now. I've already locked in a deal. And you can't do that on the index, but, but bear in mind, but just bear with me. You know, so that's, and, and we used to always have this phrase, you know, it's just P&L noise. I'm not, I'm not, we're not selling today. So I'm going to sell later and it's going to go up. Now you can kind of like translate that to someone like Sancho, for instance. Now, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Sancho. I love the hold. I wanted him not to go to United this summer. I love the idea of being another year. Uh, that's my own view. Um, and I don't care his price has gone down because I've uh, gone down. I just wanted, you know, for this whole you know, saga, I love that United spend an age to get transfers done. That's brilliant. Uh, and you know, another year, and I don't care that the price has gone down what, a couple of quid. Um, so my mark to market is, is looking pretty you know, grim compared to what it was on him. But I'm going to sell in a year's time and I'm going to get loads of dividends. Not, sorry, actually, I'm not looking to sell in a year's time. I'm just, just comparing to my previous example. But, um, you know, and you just ignore. So you know, I call it p and noise. And that's what Lee B is. It's just my way of describing it compared to Lee B. But, you know, I, I really care about the P&L number on individual holds that I'm looking to exit and the other ones I don't. And you, you need to kind of always have that view and that rationale. Uh, and of course we want numbers going up, but uh, you know, I don't, I don't care so much about the daily numbers. And I think the, going back to the original question, the, the, my investment banking background really gives me that rather than not. Just before we get into some more questions, I need to remind you this podcast is sponsored by Index Gain. Uh, they launched a product recently called MyIG, which helps trade and manage their portfolios as well as view real-time spreads and prices across the entire index. Analyze price moves for your players over multiple price periods simultaneously. Get real price alerts straight to your phone for the players you hold or are watching. Perry, are you a fan? I, I, I've been on. I've been on Index Gain, the, the index, the, the the pro version since it started. Uh, absolutely love it. I think um, everyone everyone should be. You know, uh, you know when I when I started, I, and I, I was I'll keep going back to Levy. You know, you pick players you like, that kind of stuff. You know, he said that, and then you <laughs> then you get index gain, and you actually really start to understand why the market, why why certain players are worth more. Doing your own analysis, um, yeah, it's, it's, it just it just for me, it's a fact. You must have it. And if you do want to get it for a bit cheaper, you can use the code FIG2020 for five quid off your first month or off your six month membership. You get five quid off and a free month over on indexgain.co.uk with the code FIG2020. Everyone keeps forgetting the code. It's FIG2020. 
Yeah, Fig 2020. It'll probably be Fig 2021 next year. But for now, it's Fig 2020. Seb Wassell, I mean, this is kind of uh, guest inception, I guess. Um, on the last podcast, I mentioned he was awesome. If you haven't checked out, what are you waiting for? And if you've got two and a half hours free, who doesn't these days? One of the current hot topics in the community seems to be the 1p limit on offering below the buy price. What's your take on this and has it impacted how you choose to trade? So before you get into this, Perry, I, I want to get your take on what's happened in the last couple of weeks from a, a guy with your background. How did you view what happened uh, last Sunday and how have you viewed what's happened since? So, I mean, that's a yeah, big question, many points. So, I mean, I, I think I sent a tweet that I always saw a downturn coming. One, that we knew that the portfolio was going to be valued differently uh, and there'd be a portfolio. But we were, we'd, we'd empowered the buy side for, for a long time with bids um, and we were about to empower the sales side. And to me, it was just the most obvious thing that if you empower the sales side in any market, that drives down prices. Um, and I think we'd all kind of, a lot of people had, Got into this mindset. I know order books is good. Maybe I'm not 100 sure why, but it's good and it's going to boom. And it came in, and we just had people looking to exit holds and bring prices down. Plus the natural correction, which I was happy with. But and then it just kept going down, down, down. Um, and and then you, the, the crazy bit, the bit that I didn't like, was the 300 shares to move, but the worst 300 shares. Yeah, I thought that was crazy. Uh, <laughs> You know, what did, and, what do you think would have been more sensible? Uh, it's a great question. Um, the, you know, I can't say exactly because I don't have the data. You know, if I have the data of a new model, what that price movement would be, and um, you know, you could say, let's say um, five thousand shares. Let's go for a crazy number, and then and then they'll model it and they'll say it wouldn't move prices. And you're like, okay, well, what about two thousand? About thousand, and then you just sort of find that that sweet spot. And I, you know, I wouldn't have minded if, if FI had sort of said, we're going to, you know, this is where we are. We're going to start at this and we're going to adjust it. Um, maybe. Um, you know, I, I, I'm of the viewpoint that a percentage works more for, you know, we, we, we're all used to you know, this, the way the mechanic was before. Um, and the idea that 300 shares could move a player's price so much was, you know, insane to me. Um, <laughs> markets exaggerate everything that happens so you'll get an overreaction to negative news and you get an overreaction to positive news and it's about having a steady view on it so with knowing that prices will go valuations of portfolios will go down and knowing that then there'll be a downward pressure because of uh, an increased power for the sell side is always going to go down um and it's yeah so I, I was happy with the correction but the crash was then something that yeah, it was a it was a, a a shock to see it happening, but not a surprise, and nothing that I worried about. No one likes to see it happening, but because I just knew that it was because a market mechanic was wrong. Yeah, I, I always say that you know a, a problem with a solution is not a problem, and the idea that okay, well once they change that three hundred thing, bring in um bring in uh, you know, transparency around where, where all the bids and offers are, it will solve it. So I wasn't worried, but it wasn't nice to see. You know. Yeah, it wasn't nice to see. But I think what you mentioned there is, is quite important and something that I try to, I guess, preach is the right words a, a lot around at that time when it was happening. I was like, this isn't a market problem. This isn't a quote unquote run on football index. This is a completely right. mechanical issue. 
yeah and uh, so and it was crazy yeah so you know part of me as well is that we all yeah, it goes back to the social media thing we can all suddenly be armchair you know virtual footballer trader exchange experts we go oh, i tell you you should have known it should have been 400 you know no one knew no one knew exactly you know if i had got the data um and 300 proved to not be correct um and you know they they need to sort of find find that 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 sweet spot um for it um you know i don't mind where we are now in terms of the number of shares maybe i'd want it to be slightly higher to be honest um but i don't have the data so i i, I don't know you want a true valuation you don't want one person being able to crash the price that's what you want to avoid and you want a, a, a true valuation and true movements and 300 was just insane yeah it, it seems strange i mean at the time i didn't think much of it because it's what we have on the bid side right but it does it did in hindsight seem a bit crazy i mean um i think it was more crazy because it was the same amount of shares that were required to move a 50p player as a five pound player um and i think your notion of percentage of shares probably in circulation for fi uh, would have made more sense and i think that is probably a model they'll probably move towards in the future um but but let's see you know i i think uh like what what your thoughts on what they've done since i mean going back to the question slightly with with serb the the 1p limit now that we've got and um the 900 shares that are behind the buy 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 price button um frustrated or understanding both i'd say so i i'm a like a absolute pure capitalist pure you know just like i i the idea of being able to trade freely it goes up it goes down volatility that's what i want i don't want too many interventions so on one side i hate the 1p uh that's not what i wanted from order books it kind of puts in the worst of all of all worlds because i want to be able to set my price and now i can't uh as i, as I see fit yeah, you can do like these crazy and play dividend flips at the moment but you said you can't because the next day you bank the dividends and now i can't set the price i want to exit um so I, I don't like that, but at the same time, it's what they needed because that, that Sunday crash was crazy and uh, they needed to stabilize the market. There's a lot of irrational thinking going on where people don't understand how order books work. They don't understand why it's a good thing for the index and people just need to take a breath, figure it out, learn, listen to, you know, watch your videos and, that <laughs> kind of stuff, uh, and just learn what's happening. So it was the right thing. Is it? anywhere near the final state of the product that i want not not in a million years but it's the right thing to do right now um and for me the key thing is you know we need to see the depth of the market we need to see you know where people are trading you know right now we've got a guy that's slashing mcgurk or whatever his name is that publishes tables in purple font telling you who bought what and i don't know where he gets those numbers i've got my doubts but that's not how an exchange should be working you know, we want full transparency um, where, where things are, who's trading. You know, you go on Betfair, to be, maybe an example. Most more people listening to this will understand. And you can see that prices were matching at, say, 10, you know, for a decimal example. And then meanwhile, the current price is 8. You're like, well, why would I offer 7? You know, I'm going to go you know, here um, or, or wherever around you want to look at that. Um, and without that you just don't know you know we 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 know that during that crash that it was only 300 shares are moving it and then someone panicked and they offer another 300 or a couple of guys over 300 and it goes down more if you can see that that price levels are 
uh, you know, there's, there's only a few shares moving it down. And meanwhile, there's big jumps that make a big difference. And, you know, and I, I think FI have had a real own goal with, with their comms. Maybe we can talk about it later or, or some of the other questions. But um, trend, on an exchange, you know, I've dealt with many exchanges in different products, different players in the world. And transparency is everything. You want to see what's going on and how they manage things. And this idea that they can send a, a, a little snazzy uh, message saying, oh, an issuance curve, we'll let you know about this later. And then they launch and they still haven't. Sort of play. It's, it, it to me is is crazy and and i know why they haven't it's because the market's thin now i know that because of these crazy crashes we're having from like some guy offering 300 shares and it crashed the prices i don't mind that but transparency communication solves most problems yeah most problems i've ever had in my career is because of poor communication and then you, you talk about it fix it solve it and not revealing that is worse than just saying to us you know what some players don't have many offers. Some players have, we, we see it now, some players have no bids. I'm fine with that. I know, I know I'm know. i an early adopter of this product and they've done this change because there's going to be loads more liquidity coming and it's all going to be great. And we talk about funny, how funny it was at this time of how the market was. But not revealing it is far worse. You know, just show people how it works. Show people, and then we know. Yeah, there seems to be a bit of a debate about how, when FI mint shares. Now, for me, 100%, it's at the previous peak price. Yeah, prices will snap back to that number and then you've got some guy that's got a crazy 300 offer it gets bought up it jumps and then they start minting shares why on earth would fi mint shares at that lower number they're just increasing their like their personal liability it's going to be the higher number um and that's very key to understand because that means that people maybe feel that prices are really low at the moment and maybe some people think that they'll never go back up to what they were but the path to them going back up to where they were is, re- is, is a quick one. It really is for the right player. If, if, if Trent Alexander-Arnold scores a hat-trick of free kicks in the next game, no, no, probably not, right? Um, I, no, I sound like Logic or something like that. It's pumping players. But um, if, if he does, his price will just like bang, two pounds, just like that. You know, because that's how this market works now. But they haven't explained that. And they... Yeah, that that's key, and uh, it, it annoys me to be honest. That I, I I hate just to clarify. I hate FI bashing. It's like they've given us this amazing product. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's changed my life. I love it. You know, it's my main source of income at the moment. Absolutely love it. So it it feels wrong to criticise it, but they do do own goals at times and just reveal it. I don't know why they haven't. That would make it a lot clearer to me. Let's talk a little bit about comms then, um, because I think a lot of people. I guess don't understand how important it was in this context you know uh if we had more understanding of of what you've just mentioned that prices can go up as much as they can go down I guess the mechanics weren't perfect and if I didn't really realize that until we saw it in action but talk to me about what was wrong with the comms a bit more here it's lack of transparency. You you need to, you know, they, they 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 first of all they didn't do enough tutorials. I know they did a webinar. I mean, I get bored just saying webinar. No one wants to watch that. You know, they've become all the craze though, mate. You know, with, <laughs> yeah, with know. lockdown, you don't understand how many people I get reached out by on a weekly basis asking me if I can help them do webinars, and I'm absolutely sick of it now. I just refuse. <laughs> no yeah, more. I'm, no more. Maybe I'm maybe I'm too old. I don't want to do webinars, but um. <laughs> You know, there are things you do. For me, if I was FI, I would create a new Twitter account of like the, an imaginary trader that's giving examples of how you can make money on this with order books. You know, they, they need to, you know, I think people think, I'll go back to that, but like, I think people, 
they know that order books is good. I think people think it's good because it will attract high net wealth individuals, which maybe it will, probably will, I think. But it's more than that. It gives you more tools to trade. You can make money in many more ways. But they've done like a partial delivery, not really done that. And then they've not really like publicized why that is. So I'd like the idea of a, like a, like say, like a dummy Twitter account where it's not a dummy, I mean, is in like it's not a real trader. Um, and they kind of go like this. I, I want to buy this fake, I think it's low. And then later on, uh, you know, I can put an order in and I'll get matched and I'll, I'll bank my profit. I can do this, I can do that. I can now bid below and just explain different trading scenarios, trading strategies that you can have. Um, and people understand, you know, I, I, I think the content you do is brilliant. You know, and you, you, um, you, know, you cater for a very wide uh, a, a type of trader, you know, from the, the very early basic stuff to sort of a bit more in depth. And FI need to do that as well. They need to be teaching people. So they, they're better on their comms than they used to be. You know, it looks good at least when they do publish something. But I was surprised at how little there was and I, I, you know, to explaining how it worked and then just explain to people why we've done this change. If I was a casual user and I have a sister, you know, I had a guy WhatsApp me that was on it. I'd forgotten he was on the index, but he's like, oh, my port's just gone down. What's happened? And then I had to sort of start explaining it to him. And, and they should just be more open with, with, with people and, and just explaining the details. And the, the, there's so many benefits. We'll talk about them later, but there's so many benefits to order books that why it makes it a better product. And that's not really out there at the moment. So you, it's far easier to people to say, well, this is a negative change. My port value, which probably inflated before, um, is now lower. And the biggest own goal, I think Dunwell said this on your emergency one, was the the push notification they, they sent on the man new players going up. Yeah, that's um, really bad, I thought. That, uh, and, and again, I don't want to be, I, I, you know, thank you for inviting me on the pod. I don't want to spend my time on here slagging off their part, but that was bad because that fueled this idea of the loss that was to come the next day. Um, you know, I've got a question later about Pogba, and he's one of the guys that raised the most, and we'll talk about that then. But that was very, very bad to have done that and uh yes that kind of disconnect in in the company maybe the marketing guy the sorry the you know, social media guy or even people that genuinely understand the product that they have and uh, that was that was bad and that, that adds fuel to the negativity that we've got now hmm. so that was disappointing yeah i'm gonna ask you in a minute what needs to be done going forward um but we've got a question i think from the discord in a couple minutes or a few minutes that that kind of leads us down that path but before that Stephen benj you tweeted there might be market manipulation at play on black sunday why did you think that and what would you do to counteract it so i think i've uh, been on record saying i highly doubt that that's the case just because of how few transactions there were i mean you mentioned slash and mcgurk from the the futures we saw traded there didn't seem too many and it didn't seem like there was too many when i was buying players on sunday in terms of how how thin it was but you know what what are your thoughts on kind of market manipulation and and whether or not it's the it could have been a, a cause yeah, so I mean, first of all, I mean, most people try to give simplistic answers to complex issues. So yes. you know, someone yeah, yeah, might yeah. say, uh, oh, it crashed because Neymar got sent off. Uh, oh, no, it was because Sancho didn't get United. And the answer is always, oh, 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 I'm going to do a crazy one. It was Mark and it played. The, the, the truth is it's probably a little bit of a combination of all of these things. And unless you do an interview with every trader that sold that day or bought, you won't know. So it's all shot in the dark. 
the point for me is the fact that I can send a tweet at midnight one I am saying I think market manipulation isn't is is the issue. I could be completely wrong, but no issue of being wrong. But they they're their controls that they have in place, and this goes back to the point that they've got a big sort of gambling board of people at the moment. They've got great gambling experience. I'm not sure on the quality of like exchange sort of you know, trading experience they have on their in their management roles. So, you know, like at the moment their controls are more, you know, fun stop, stop, which is like getting a bit redundant now, that that word for me, that phrase, you know, they need something new or, you know, they, they didn't message anyone when, we, when our port values went down with that, you know, like reassuring people or anything like that. And then they, they, there's a focus on money laundering, which is that perfectly fine. I want that. I like that there's those controls. It's very much from the, the gambling lens that they're looking at rather than an exchange. Um, you know, so, you know, I don't money launder. I can afford what I've got in the exchange. So you do a check. I, you know, I love it when you get people that say, oh, my, my, my due diligence of hell. It's like, well, if you can afford what you've got in and you don't money launder, you're, you're going to be good. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that's fine. I love that stuff. And when I have friends that join and they say they've got a background check, I was like, yeah, you want that, right? Because you can, you, you, you makes it place more secure. It makes me more comfortable. Do, do you think, though, you know, uh, as a, as a, I guess the other side of that, right? Um, I know people that have had tens of thousands in uh, Betfair, tens of thousands in the likes of Free Trade. Again, they're not directly comparable. One's a FCA uh, approved product, but why? Why is FI seen as a bit more stringent in this in this uh, department? It's just the way the world's going. They've gone for a third party. Any time people are asking you uh, information about your personal life and stuff, it's always laborious. It always takes a couple of days. Um, yeah, I mean, my, my background, investment banking, I'm used to doing, you know, I moved, I, I used to work in Singapore for like four years and I moved within the same company from Singapore to London. It was just technic technicalities of being different entities and I had to do a full background check and I had to give like references, like the name of your last employer and it was the same HR person, but I had to like fill out all of that. You know, it was fine. I'm, I'm used to this, you know, like I say I used to be an approved person, the FCA, that's really the laborious thing to do. And I'm used to it. And most companies outsource this stuff, which FI do now. Um, yeah, you get an email. I had one before, like, a, uh, why, you know, oh, you just made a large, larger deposit out of the ordinary for you. Why is that? It's like you've got a 10% deposit bonus on at the moment. You know, like, uh, you know, it, make, it makes sense to me. But I like those controls. I'm not anti it. That's what I want. Because I say, if you've got nothing to hide, you pass it. Um, but my point is that the controls are more around that kind of like go to gambling stuff. Whereas the fact that I can send a tweet saying there might be market manipulation, you now I wouldn't send that about the you know, the London Metal Exchange or Nymex or you know, Comex or anything like that, um, because they've got very transparent controls. Now, you, you, you so you know, I used to, I used to have to in my career, I had to broke, well, I had to get insurance for our physical commodity businesses, and I would go to these insurance brokers and I would say. You know, we've got this control, this policy, you know, we, we, we do this, we do that. Now, did I think that my traders were up to no good? No, I didn't. But by, if I had the evidence, the controls that we had in place in case they were, suddenly I managed to negotiate lower insurance premiums because they were more comfortable with that. And then Foot Windex should be just like that. You know, but by being more, more transparent about how do they manage collusion if they have a, you know, I'd rather see tweets about someone saying, can you believe it? They've accused me of colluding with someone because I sold Jack Grealish 
when uh, you know when when he's moved and go to Man United, and then they can prove that they did. You know, okay, that's very. I'd rather see that kind of stuff. Um, you know, because you've got nothing to hide, you you always pass. Um, you know, if you, I'd like the idea of uh, large position stuff. So there's always like this bit of a myth, and anyone I used to be on Slack a lot, not so much these days. I've sort of been doing Twitter the last couple of months. But the one thing that really grates me is when people go, "Oh, it's a whale." Why surprise me? It's a whale has moved it. It's like that's not. I think that's nonsense. <laughs> um, you know, if you've got a large position in someone, you're not looking to muck around with the price you know, for a, pay, a penny or two. But um, yeah, if if you but then there's this idea that like someone like Panda can uh, will crash the Sancho price. I guarantee you, you've never met the guy. I can guarantee you he's not trying to do that. He's trying to grow his profit. <laughs> why why um, would it, why would that be in his interest to do so? It's just, exactly. it's just a strange. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I'm, no, the notion that whales want to drop prices to buy them at cheaper, um, you know, the spoofing aspect of it, yeah. like it's rare uh you know in in really you know bigger markets and thicker markets like like crypto etc yeah. um well i mean it's you know it's not too rare there but i just don't think it's going to happen in in, in a f- right. football index land it, it's nonsense but they need to the index need to prove why they stop that happening so rather than me reading tweets or messages from people saying like a oh one guy has decided to crash the market you know i would have rules on the maximum position you could have on a player and by that, I mean percentage terms. And I reckon no, the numbers that I would think of would be nowhere near what anyone like Panda or someone holds in a player. It just gives people a clear, transparent rule, you know, uh, on how these things work. You know, the, you know, a lot of people spoke in a bit of a buzz phrase in, in the, uh, you know, the, the social media, thing, you know, circuit breaker. I'm a big fan of that. Um, you know, you know that if, if um, market crashes X amount, that they'll stop it. You know, FI used to stop instant sell all the time on maybe across the market or certain players and like then they decided they got to an exchange and that's where i think they lack that exchange experience where suddenly it was like oh, it's a free fall just because you guys now are not not just fi providing the ice price like you want those sort of stops where people can just have a rational moment to uh, to go so it doesn't mean when the market reopens it just goes crazy it's people can just take a breath yeah and think about things and you know so i like that so as, going back to the work example you know i i used to write and and talk about all the controls we had to evidence that my traders weren't up to no good. Now I knew them personally. I knew they weren't up to no good. But I had to, ex- I had to, you know, in, in formal documents explain that to people. So then they, so then the people I was talking to had more confidence in the business that I wanted to profit. Um, so and it's very. That's why it's very important. So I, I talk about market manipulation not because I, re- I really think it's going on. But if some idiot like me, you can tweet. I think market manipulation is going on. You need someone else to go. Have you not read this document? Of course, it's not. You know, and and that's the that's the important thing. So, um, so in your eyes, is it is it good enough for FI to just come out and say it wasn't market manipulation, or does it need to be deeper than that? I'm presuming yeah, the latter. Need, you, yeah, the latter. I think I want like rules and policies, and it'd be boring. It'd be one of those documents that you know is out there that you never bother reading, but you know it exists and there's hard rules. Rather than, I think part of people's frustration. And I'm going to open a can of worms here, like on media and things like that. Or why have you, in the past anyway, like why have you removed that article or not? And they've tried to improve that by like, oh, we've created some rules now. And that's the game we're playing. Once you know the rules of the game, you know where it's at. And people can stop making outrageous comments or, or, or think, oh, why have you done this? Why have you done that? So that's what it says. That's it. And they, they just need to be clearer. And they're moving into a proper exchange now, sell, sell orders. You know, every exchange I work with all the time, they're sending like updates on why they what their controls are, you know, and I doubt that, you know, we used to have that these guys, so NASDAQ are providing, 
No, Stack are providing like a matching engine, which is brilliant. And I think there's going to be some sort of like tech support or something like that. But I don't think they're providing surveillance so much. You know, we used to have companies come to us that would advertise, you can monitor this, you can monitor that, give you all the alerts, and it'd be great. These off-the-shelf things you plug in straight away, or APIs. Um, and I'm not sure if, if I really have that. If they do, I want them to really advertise it because that would make me want to, you know, put more money in if I know that it's really secure. You know, but, uh, and I, don't, I just don't think it's, it's – it's, they just need to be more, more public with that. Because uh, it gives people confidence rather than someone saying, I think this is happening. If you know that can't happen and that the, what the fine is or the repercussions, you, know, you get removed from the exchange and then some guy moans on Twitter that happened to him. I'd love that. You know, like I think they're brilliant because you didn't know, like, okay, this thing is really secure. Yeah. I'm going to whack another 10 grand in now because I know that these sort of uh, controls exist. You know, um, yeah, for that reason, I'm really, I'm, I saw uh, uh, Mike. Um, yeah, the marketing guy sent a, a tweet earlier about what do we think about the market closures, things like that. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I mean, we were talking back, we were talking before Fig about this. Yeah, I, I like the market close. I think it makes it more like a normal exchange, um, and it stops that that sort of late night thing is when crazy price moves might happen because that's the easiest time to abuse. The most just having closures, everyone's working on the same, um, yeah, you know, the, the same rules, and then you know you know where you're at. Like, you know, I'm a big fan. So so you don't buy the argument, for example, that if this thing was global and we had pooled liquidity, that, you know, other traders in, in other countries, they'd be working on our time? Yeah, no, so not at all. So I mentioned earlier, um, you know, I used to live in Singapore for, for, for four years. And, you know, when you're, you're first of all, you, you keep unusual hours. I want to watch, a, a, I used to watch Spurs on TV more there than I did in England. Because I mean, it's different now with lockdown, every game's on TV. But in abroad, you can watch every game. It's great. Um, and, uh, you know, so if I was to make a bet, uh, it's not so easy to do it in Asia. But anyway, if I was, you know, I would do it in-game or something like that because that's when that's the, it's the match stuff that really triggers the real spike in volumes of, of betting. Whereas, like, what would be in the middle of the night or day, I might have a long-term view in football index terms. I might, you know, I think it's a great player, Trent, I'm going to put on that. But that's not like a reactive thing. And then I can just put that in at, at market opening. Um, and so I, I, di- I disagree with this idea that it will harm trading. Um, but if I have the numbers, and, and I've mentioned it about another question before, they have all the data. They can see by doing this closure how that's impacted trading volume. It's probably seen a surge before, whatever it is now, what, 11.30 or something. Um, and whether that impacts their training numbers. Um, so, I, you know, I don't have an issue with it. But what they do need to do, if they keep this permanent, is to allow you to uh, put orders in and bids for market opening. I mean, I'll talk about this later. But you know, So you can still place orders in the closure, and then they go live at market opening. Uh, you can place orders by market close. And I think Dunwell sent a tweet about this the other day, that you you also need to align it. So I always feel like if I do like a good idea and then they kind of execute it a little bit badly and then they, 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 they change it. So I disagree that you've got a dividend cut off rem play at midnight and then they've cut, they're closing the market at 1130. You know, just align the two. One goes to midnight, the other one goes to 1130. Um, and yeah, it's that kind of thing. Cause that's the thing everyone jumps on. Now I do I buy players at 1130 for rem play. No, I don't, but someone will. And, uh, you will want to, and um, they, they just need to align that kind of stuff. But it's just another, con- it just makes it look more legit. 
you know, it makes it look like they've got, they know what they're doing and it's there for a reason. And I think it gets some excitement. I'm going to start trading in the morning when it opens. For that, that, you know, if you limit, you know, if you limit supply, there will be more, the, the you know, demand starts to catch up a bit. So you know, I like that. Yeah, I think it could concentrate volumes, can't it? In a market that's quite thin, it actually concentrates the the tradings and the volumes to a specific uh, time frame, I suppose. Which, I guess, in a weird, inadvertent way, uh, makes the market appear more liquid to have more volume of trades and and thicker than it actually is, just because it's being condensed into a, a shorter time frame, I suppose. Um, we've got a question here from FI Headhunter. What's your three to five step achievable solution to fixing the market? And I'm presuming he means around the, the mechanical stuff that we've kind of highlighted um, that's yeah. been amended a, a little bit, Perry. But where do we go for going forward now? Yeah, so you know, I, I, I kind of jumped on fixing the market. I don't think the market is broken right now. It's different. And there's some tweaks that we're doing. So that, you know, there's this negative sentiment at the moment. But, you know, the, you know, our, our, you know, I, I said earlier, I think the way that order books was launched was was not great. But I love order books. I I I have been doing some great trades recently, putting prices higher than I want and um and being able to exit trades when I'm not even looking at the app. I love it. I absolutely love it. So we're on the right path. And people, you know, sort of three to five steps, I think probably I've got more than five, but people can skip ahead on the pod if they don't like it. Um but they the first one is 100% dividend increase. Yeah, and I could shout this. Yeah, like I, I think that's really gone missing. And I'm hearing we've doubled dividends. They've already done the work. Uh, so people need to um, remember that we've got that. And it, people will remember when some popular players win. You know, so we do need your top 10 players. You know, uh, and Mbappe, Neymar, Sancho, Bruno, Trent, those guys to win divs on a Sunday or Saturday, you know, like the gold day, monster hall, everyone shows off how much money they made on their big hold. And you know, that is what's going to fix the market. You know, I sent a tweet about it a while back, you know, like, we've got the solution. It's sitting there in the background. We, 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 every player is undervalued at the moment and we've had a crash. So what's an opportunity? So that's number one. It's already sitting there. But we're in a little bit of a stagnant downturn. People are getting their head around it. I don't worry about that. I think it's an absolute time to buy. Um, so that that's the number one thing. I can talk. I'll talk about some other things, but that's number one. The players are undervalued right now. I think that's just a fact because of the hundred percent dividend increase. Um, then I would, you know, I, I, what I don't know is when depth is going to come. Depth is the so big for me we need to see these things i said about it earlier you know if i know only 300 shares are crashing sancho's price 50p am i going to under am i going to undercut that with an offer well, i'm not looking to sell Sancho, but yeah you know I mean? if i'm a trader no i'm not i'm going to think well, i'm going to i'm going to put my order higher and once you see depth it will change it um and then once depth comes in the minimum order can be as liberal as you want because you want it to be a free market open market if i if i knew that depth was coming in two weeks i would probably be really conservative about that 1p under thing i would maybe change it a little bit but 
if I know it's going to be two months, a month, you know, they long, then that, that changes it. So it's really key what FI do, but depth is so important. And I'm actually a little bit annoyed that we haven't got depth just to see it because you're just blind at the moment. And I think it will really open people's eyes when you see it and people will, will overnight become expert traders when they can just like, see this depth and say, I'm going to trade here or like, why would you trade there? Or yeah, we'll say everyone, everyone's an expert on online, you know, on social media. And they'll be like, oh, look at this idiot. It's put 300 shares here, 900 shares, when everyone else is up here. Uh, you know, wow, I'll take those. Uh, it, um, and it will really change. So that's massive, absolutely massive. You know, I said the line earlier, you know, like a problem without solutions is a real problem. You know, we, we've got the answers. Yeah. The frustrating thing is they're just not here right they're now. They're just not being implemented yet. Yeah. Um, um, so, so depth being one thing that you really want to see come in. Um, what's next? For me, right, if I was Football Index, I would be, you know, I know they've got the liquidity providers. Liquidity is really key right now. I, uh, maybe they are, but I don't know why FI aren't buying these prices and lower their liability. You, you know, if let's say there's a, I don't know how many shares there are in FI, in, in um, Sancho at the moment, but yeah, let's, let's, let's call it a round million just for easy numbers. So they've they got this fixed number that they're liable for every time, uh, you know, a, uh, a journalist talks about them going to Man United. Well, they can buy now at like what's two three pound discount or something um, of what it was before and reduce that liability. I just don't know why they're not just doing that. That's what you know. You, you I mentioned before, like my my you know do a lot of horse racing stuff. You know, you've got a guy at the track that's take those offers meanwhile he's on betfair and he's laying that to you know hedges exposure and fi should be doing just that buy these cheap prices um uh, so that that would steady it and of course more liquidity providers um that always helps i i love the fact that you can't see the name of the trader now um that's important i don't again that goes like market manipulation stuff you know like ej's bought 300 goalies and everyone goes oh i'm gonna now buy goalies yeah that's wrong uh, you should, or someone could just put a fake name in and say, it. you know, nonsense. You shouldn't see it in there. Oh, many times. Yeah. So I like that. I hate that a trader has bought. So oh, come on, guys. Uh, yeah. Just, just say, you know, Sancho bought. Um, but um, yeah, more liquidity. Uh, absolute more liquidity. Um, uh, I'll talk maybe more. But this question is achievable solutions. I've got some more ideas about maybe longer term stuff. Um, tutorials. I think I mentioned that earlier teach people the benefits of order books and trading tactics. Now that's not FI telling someone to buy Sancho because he's going to go to Man United, but telling people like strategies you can have now to make money. So I think maybe, maybe that's got the, and that would just create buzz. It would just create ideas. So I, I would do that and teach people how it works. Um, that's lacking. Yeah. I mentioned before like yeah, your videos have been great. I think it's bad that people rely on for you. It's probably it's great. It's great for the money you earn out of ad revenue and stuff. But like it's it's um it's it's FI should be doing this. You know you should be complimenting that. Um, and then you know achievable, the full benefits benefits of order books. You know trading tools. I I mentioned it earlier. I want to get a book. I want to bid on a player uh, at a certain price I see fit, but. After the dividend cutoff, I don't want to bid anymore. So I want that bid to automatically cancel the dividend cutoff. I want to same sort of idea for the, the market closed. I want to open. I might know that a player has done really well today, and then tomorrow's price is going to crash. So I'll buy at that low if I can tomorrow. Uh, so, but I don't want to. Bid. If it's not so, I I don't want to buy now. I want to buy later. So, so just 
I want to, uh, yeah, I, what else do I want to do? I want, uh, this is a wandering thing I'll start Um The key thing of order books is we have different ways to trade. I, I can't understand why uh, that we can only bid now 50p over. It was even lower before. Let me put my exit on certain players uh, and it will just there. Let me put stop losses in. Where you know, for people that don't know, stop loss. I can say, so I've had some pretty you know, volatile bets on my time in index. People like Grealish, people like um, uh, Slatan. Now I know that there's huge upside for those guys. As it turns out, with those two guys, huge downside. Now I'm happy. I'm happy running that risk. That's fine. But I, I, having a stop loss in there, whereas if he if he really crashes because the one outcome I was waiting on hasn't happened, I've just got my order suddenly comes live. And I can get met at that price if someone if someone feels it. Whereas right now you can't put a stop loss in. So if I put, you know, Grealish is worth just for round numbers, five pounds say, and I think yeah, if he doesn't go to United, it'll be worth two fifty. I'll put a, a stop loss in at two fifty. That then I'm gonna put nine hundred shares in stop loss. That doesn't mean his price suddenly goes two fifty. That means that if his price hits two fifty, my order becomes live and I can exit. Now that probably makes me more comfortable with holding that kind of player. And meanwhile, anyone that is a bit more panicky, a bit more of a worrier, they could put stop losses in for all their holds. Now, I personally wouldn't do that, but there's certain types of hold that I own, I own where I know they're really risky holds. They're not a large percentage of my port, but they they're there. I like I'm, I I kind of like that kind of trading. Um, stop loss helps people. So there's these these kind of tools you can add really easily gives people more ways to trade more ways to make money and that is only a positive and that's what people have to get out of order books is there's more ways to make money right now whereas right now i think people are thinking my pnl numbers down and that's not really the big picture yeah there's there's not that much uh optimistic vision from a, a lot of the football index community which i've i've been frustrated by i think um I think one of the tweets that I wrote in a thread that I posted last night was um, how can people have such a short-term outlook on a trading platform that's been around for five years where you're betting on the future of a player's whole career? Um, It makes no sense. And that is, uh, you know indicative of kind of like you know quote-unquote sentiment that we see now is a lot of people just don't really see the long-term possibilities of this but um i wanted to pick your brains on on something that i think you wanted to wanted to talk quite a lot about um and that was uh leverage uh i think you mentioned also shorting when you were talking about your friends uh you worked with in the city who who you know refused to even look at fi if you can't short stuff are those you know maybe inachievable right now but future in the future we could see that potentially yeah i mean i'm big on the leverage thing so i mean a a real simple one i want to be able to bid on more players than in my cash balance and by that i mean let's say the impact dividend promotion right now right so talking something very current i might think i want i've got 500 pounds in my account and i want exposure to jamie vardy or danny inks I see them as kind of similar sort of players. Uh, and I, I mentioned that earlier. I, I, I think in types of player, I mean, individually. Um, so I've got 500 quid. I want exposure to these guys. Uh, so meanwhile, at the moment, I could put 250 in for Bardi, 250 for Ings. Now, there might be someone that starts thinking the opposite to me and they want to exit one of those and I start getting filled on those, on those bids. But then I'm like, well, I don't really 
care. I, I want I want more of that guy. Then if that's where the market is, I'll take more of uh, more of Vardy, more of Ings. You can't do that at the moment. And what I want the app to do is, as soon as I start getting filled on one of them, that my bid on the other starts going down. And what what, what you do with that is you 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 are making more liquid. You're increasing the liquidity in the market because you've got more bids there. For the, the, and I'm sure there's lots of people like me that will be thinking that way. You know, I mentioned the sort of Dutch guys earlier. I also I sort of see them as all the sites, but I was topping up on them, you know, a month or so ago. But I, I just wanted more exposure to them, so I didn't really care which one got matched. I know the ultimate kind of number I want to get to the guys, but I didn't. I don't want to, like, you know, harm my buying by capping myself on one of them. I'll always get more funds later, um, and you can just have that. So that 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 helps. That that allows you to put more bids in. And people, and it will just reduce naturally. I like that. I don't really know why that's not there at the moment, but I, I like that. Um, and then the biggest one that I want, which would be a bit more advanced, is I, I want margin trading. Now, this is where, say, say I've got a hundred grand in uh, that I've invested in football index. Uh, I said earlier I like round numbers, so this is the, the example we're going to use. And then my portfolio is worth two hundred grand. So that means I've got a positive hundred grand mark to market. Um, now I want to put another fifty grand in, but I don't have fifty grand right now. Um, but I can get someone to sort of lend me basically that money based on if it goes badly. I've got that hundred positive number at the moment in my port. So the way it works is you take an initial margin, which is your worst single day fall which we've seen recently, got a very good example recently of the, uh, the worst you can lose in a day. You pay that money up front and then you're allowed to sort of trade larger than that. So say we said the largest loss you can make in a day is 25%. Um, so I, get, I put 25% of the uh, in there and then I can then trade four times that amount. So it's leverage. So I can, I can trade even larger positions. Now my losses are exaggerated. That's the downside. But my winnings, are, my upside is exaggerated as well. So this is sort of basically what I used to do for a living. Um, and it's more sophisticated uh, side of trading. But this is what everyone's doing. It's just, it's just leverage. Um, now, a lot of people might listen to this and go, what the hell is he talking about? This sounds risky. Um, now, I, I, what I ultimately want, is an FI, you can call it what you like, I'm not a marketing guy, FI basic, FI pro, something like that, you know, uh, or maybe one in the middle, you know, FI, I don't know what you call it, I don't care. But like the basic one, I'd be tempted to have, you know, just the buy and sell price, not even bid and offer, just buy and sell, right? really basic. That's your casual hacker kind of guy. Um, and then a middle one where you've got, you know, I can now bid, I can offer, and do that. And then an advanced one where you have these kind of tools. And I would want a third party, not FI. I don't want them taking, you, know, you wouldn't be able to get a gambling company to be lending money to people. That'd be ridiculous. Never in a million years. But a third party that is, you know, you, you, have, a, you have a personal credit check. You can, you know, you can leverage up the money you have. Um, and suddenly you can trade twice, three, four times as the size. Now, if the price is four, I've got my initial worst day number. I said 25%, maybe it's 50%, maybe I can only do two more. And then you get your mark to market every day, whereby it's, you know, I'm positive, I'm negative, and I might have to put more money in to top up my account. Um, but it would allow me to trade much higher volumes than I do now um, 
in a way that I'm personally very comfortable with. And I bet there's a lot of people like me. Not a lot. There'll be a number of people like me that are like that. Not the majority of the customers, but a number of people. And it might go wrong for me and I might lose all the money I bet. Um, and I'm happy that that's the risk I understand. I've said that on my compliance checks to, to FI. More than happy with that. Um, well, happy being the wrong word, but I'm, I'm comfortable <laughs> with that being an outcome. But I mean, um, on the other, side, other hand of it, like... <laughs> Uh, you know, all gambling companies have now stopped um, uh, credit cards, um, you know, deposits, for example. This would be a big leap from a compliance standpoint in allowing this, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's an exchange is the main thing. And I wouldn't want the gambling company itself to do it. It's a third party that you have a signed agreement with. A, a margin agreement, as it's known, where you you uh, you show, you know, I would have all your money would go back to their account and then it would go to you. They're your broker. They're the middleman to the exchange. So it'd look a bit different. Um, and they're taking that credit risk. And they make a percentage on, on giving you those credit lines, um, as it's known. So they make money. If I make money because I'm trading at larger volumes and, and giving them larger commission, uh, and then I'm running the, the running the risk that I want, and because you've got that single day potential loss initial margin, and then I'm paying every day if I go down and a, a variation margin, it enables me to, yeah, you're never like suddenly getting a huge hole because it's only a like small amount you might have to top up. In reality, you know, my portfolio at the moment you know, would be a long way off having to top up because I've got such higher mark to market on what I put in versus what my portfolio is worth. So, and it just enables me to leverage more. It would, be, it would be a big step. That one's more radical. I get that. Um, but these are the types of things that people can do now. Now it's a, an exchange. And the key thing is third-party companies, I think Dunwell might have touched yeah. on this kind of ETFs or something like that. There's opportunities for that now. Now, this isn't going to happen tomorrow. What I'm talking about might never happen, but it might do. And that's the opportunity that Order Books gives us. And People smarter than me, different backgrounds than me, might come up with wonderful ideas um, and they'll come up with an idea and it'll be a third party thing. And that's where we are. It's bigger right now. We're not seeing that, but it enables us to do that. Yeah, and that's the key thing. That's the key thing. There's lots of things we can do with order books that we couldn't do before. Yeah, I, I think that's part of the kind of greater outlook, the bigger picture thing for FI. There is so much opportunity. You know, I mentioned shorting as well. And um, on, on previous podcasts, I've talked about institutions getting involved. Could we have funds? Could you put money into a trader's fund that is traded on FI, for example? Any of those things may be realistic for you in the next, say, three to five yeah. years? 100%, 100%. Institutions would want to trade on margin. You don't put, you know, as a... You know, we, when I, you know, I, 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 when I talk to friends of mine about maybe working for their bank or something, I ask them, what's your cost of borrowing? What's your cost of lending? And, you know, no one is trading a hundred percent of all your cash. That's your capital. Yeah. You leverage that capital. So an institution wouldn't want to put all their capital in one thing. You want to borrow against it and make a higher rate of return. It's just like, that's how it works. Um, so institutions, would want that kind of flexibility, and that's what can happen with, uh, with 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 the you know potential functionality that we get now. With a Nasdaq uh, brings that confidence to us in the future. Yeah, I think uh, the funds thing could definitely happen. Um, I mean, shorting. I'm a bit more like. Could it happen? I'm, I'm a bit anti-shorting at the moment. I don't think uh, it could happen right. integrated onto the platform. It'd have to be like a separate. 
have to be separate. I'll give it to that. The pro, the pro basic thing. I think that's needed. Um, there's a there's a wide, there's a very diverse client base of this product, which again is why it's fantastic. Uh, but you know, you, you maybe have to count that you know, cater to that a little bit more. You know, so you're still on the same the same product, but uh, yeah, you have different different functionality. But no, I'd, I'd be anti shorting uh, right now. That would make it pretty crazy, I think. Um, but yeah, yeah, the, that can come in time. But yeah, I, I don't really want that personally myself just yet. Well, we'll, we'll wait and see, I guess. Um, we've got a question here from Trawlers for Ballers. Do you think the liquidity provider LP001's pool of cash was used wisely? Saw a lot of it clearing Kane, Kevin De Bruyne queues, etc. when the promotion might have cleared these away. Perhaps could have been used more to support switch to order books. I mean, market makers in general, you've kind of touched on, but, but what are your thoughts here on FI integrating them and where do they need to go? Do we need more of them? Do we need these market makers to be a bit more heavy hitting with greater volumes? Where do you stand? Well, first off, I love the change that we can't see who the market makers buying now because uh, you know, this question is related more to pre us going to the true order books that we're in now. So I don't want to see the, the, the market makers buying. I don't want people debating it. So um, this guy has happened to see the guy buying Kane and De Bruyne. I'm sure he bought all kinds of players. Um, so do I, so first of all, a market maker working independently of FI needs to ultimately make money. They're not doing it as a charity. Um, and there's a very vocal minority of people that own the lower end players. And you go, well, what about my guy? Well, that's probably the reason you want to exit that is because he's now like a horrible hold and that's a loss. And that's, uh, so but the guys need to make money. They need to buy, they need to reduce the sales queue. Um, I buy this is at the time it's different now, but there's order books is kind of buy, buying low sell orders is the same thing really as as uh, clearing the sales queue. Um, buying a player that's ridiculously underpriced, releasing capital in the market, and the market deciding who best to buy. And it, people need to remember every trader is a market maker. I'm going to mark make a market. I mean, I was talking about guys earlier that, that play in the Austrian league. I mean, Jesus, like, I, I can make a market there. That might sound like the wildest trade, but I think it's a good trade. But, you know, we're all market makers. Um, so for the market maker freeing up cash on some of these holds, they now own someone that, that's probably going to be a good bet for them. And then they will be forced to make, as per whatever agreement they have with FI, to make markets elsewhere. But it makes sense to me, that, that kind of thing. I'm not going to talk about Kane or De Bruyne in particular, but... Um, yeah, I think I think that's what they should be doing, and I think people see like some people see market makers like this sort of like angel that's just going to create the old IS. It's not quite like that, but it is doing a very important function in in the market. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. I think um, with market makers in place. I don't know. Like, I think there's a lot of people who who seem to think, and I've mentioned this on the podcast previously. Um, there seems to be this notion that you know get more market makers everything's fine uh bring in depth everything's fine and whilst one thing might be better than the other there is a whole suite of things that we've discussed that need to be integrated for this for the exchange to be fully formed and for it to not go uh to to become a 75% finished platform rather than needing another 75% finishing yeah i think so and also it's been an incredible period of instability you know covid uh bids offers uh you know, uh, you know poor dividend increases great dividend increases and you know it was one of the questions that maybe i don't think i spoke about it but like 
one of the things we need is is actually this might sound like a bad answer but it's nothing at all we just need a period of stability no rule changes no game plan changes and just let the market decide and i don't mean i don't mind if that means the market goes down a bit we just let the market trade we know where we're at we're going to be, and then player performance move things whereas all the time someone can debate we need another market maker we need another this or fi should change that you know i, I hate this idea that people are waiting for a deposit bonus next yeah. week or whatever it is yeah fi should come out whether they do or they don't i don't really care and just say right we're now a proper company now we've uh, we've got uh, order books we're not doing this again yeah. on birthdays and things like that and yeah, just get away from this nonsense like i'm always waiting for fi to step in and that goes back to what I was saying earlier. If they have a clear rule book on, I was talking about market manipulation, but more, I was, that's more like, yeah, you know, this is how it works. This is what it is. It will create that stability and then the market will move. And then, you know, who am I to say the way the market will move? But it will, you know, I think it will go positively. But let the market decide. You might find out you've got a rubbish hold and you've lost money. That's not FI's fault. That's your fault. Yeah. You know? And, uh, yeah, I think I think that's the main thing. So, you know, it's a real simple thing. After we, there are mechanics that need changing right now, and more market makers helps and things like. But just let it be a market and move. And with a hundred percent dividend increase, it will. And you know, I am a betting man. I, I know where I think it will go. Just before we move on, I need to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by The Athletic. The Athletic is a subscription-based sports news site delivering in-depth sports coverage. Uh, if you guys do want to check it out and get 40% off your annual subscription for the best sports writing around, go to theathletic.co.uk slash fig. It's £2.99 a month if you go for their annual deal. Perry, have you bought anything recently that costs you more than £2.99? Yeah, I have quite a few things actually. I, I tell you, what, I took my, it might be a boring story. I took my son to the Natural History Museum the other day, great day out. And then, uh, I've, as a good dad that I am, I thought I'd take him to the pub afterwards for lunch. And I spent South Kensington £6.50 on a Peroni. I was, I was outraged. Um, could get two months of the athletic for that. Uh, yeah, not happy. Don't drink in South, uh, South Kensington, guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's not cheap down there, is it? <laughs> not cheap at all. I wouldn't recommend buying pints there. Um, no, I'm not doing that again. He's not. He's never going to. He's never going to. He's never going to see the museum again. Um, we've got a question here from Fi Tommy Staggs. Uh, with the five X in play dividend offer coming to an end soon, where do you guys see the money going come October? And then Fi Gardener from the Discord always uh, going to plug the Discord as as you well know. How will the end of five X dividends affect the market? Are the lowest price players good value anyway, based off the new potential PB returns on offer? Yeah, so I mean, uh, yeah, the in play dividend thing is crazy. Uh, the five times after, so they doubled it and then they multiplied it by five. I mean, that's nuts. Um, and a lot that you know, I mentioned this before and some tweets and stuff. Um, it is playing a factor right now on the volatility. But play the market, play the game that's in front of you. And right now, there's a great opportunity. You know, in a year's time, we'll talk about. Do you remember the time you could, you know, get twenty p when when Trent scores? You know, like uh, it, it's nuts. Um, so enjoy it. When when it goes, where will the money go? You know, I'd be a very rich man if I knew exactly that. Um, but for me, with the drops that we've had, I I think in a market like we're in, I've been buying players that are proven dividend winners. You know, if you're, you know, I, I like having a percentage of like speculative youth holds and stuff. But for me right now, where my money is going is in proven guys like like Bruno, like a Trent. They're just going to return double their dividends this year, and you know, and they've had a price drop 
for a, a, a for a market mechanic reason really rather than i, mean, I don't really talk about form and stuff but like i think through no fault of their own mostly um so i've been putting money there so but it'll take time it's performance on the pitch so the money i can guarantee you in fine play and dividends ends who go up, it's the guy that performs best that Saturday. And then over, t- over time, it will be the players I'm talking about, that uh, I think, that, uh, that will go up more. So, um, you know, 100% dividend uh, increase. You know, so many players are cheap, so that, that will go there. But it won't be like an instant thing on the, uh, on the 1st of October. It takes, it takes time. Yeah, I think we're going to see, you know, with the dividends that we do have on offer, like only 50 players uh, like are going to not return 10% with a gold star PB man win. And I think SOTD tweeted something good today where like you don't need to win for players to go up, right? They drive the price movement. So you do the math. If only 50 players can't return 10% of their price currently, then how big are those movements going to be? One, if someone shows the potential to win that. And two, when they do actually win it, we're going to see some some really big rises. And I think we're going to see a lot of, maybe not volatility, we're going to see a lot of vibrancy when we see kind of normality played out with the current payouts that we've got. Um, and I think the five uh, X in play dividends thing has affected the market in a really interesting way. It's cost FI a pretty penny. Um, it's obviously let them mint a few shares on, on a load of players. But I think overall, if they if they'd had their time back if they knew that black sunday was coming they probably wouldn't have, have done it um and if they knew that they were increasing dividends by 100 percent, they probably wouldn't have done it so i don't know i think it's uh it's something that was done as a as a stopgap you had a gaping hole there and if i tried to plug it with uh something that was going to disappear in a month um which yeah, I, I mean, isn't it- always the best way to do things right yeah, I think it was more centred around the European tournaments, which is a bit of an odd thing that we'll probably never have again. Um, and then they extended it to the end of September. But then I'm not sure. It goes to back to how maybe how they make their decision. Did they know they were going to double in-play dividend? They did that poor dividend announcement. But then they'd already said they were going to multiply it by five. So, so part of me thinks that maybe they were like, oh, now we're going to do it like five times times two. Yeah, um and then you know, time you know, coincided that with this order book release. So yeah, I mean it's pretty crazy. But trade the market, you're it. It goes back to I could make crazy returns right now on some in-play dividend holds. And meanwhile, my P and L number is not as great as I want it to look. But just focus on individual trades, the ones that are making money. Sell it, move on. You know, it's, it's great. Got a question here from Divi Rascal. Uh, do you think the run of bronze games following lockdown, some of which paid out as gold days, has led traders to underestimate the unpredictability of PB dividends, particularly on gold silver days? Also thoughts on Pogba are his MB days over. So let's attack this one at a time. Yeah, I, lo- I love these double questions. I reckon, <laughs> People I reckon sneaking them guy, in there. No, I know. I reckon this guy's got the best name as well. Divi Rascal is quality, um, isn't it? Um... So I got a really boring answer for this. No, I don't. I think people underestimate the unpredictability of PB dividends because otherwise the proven PB winners like Kimmage and that would be rocketing right now. Uh, yeah, he's won it four times in a row. Uh, I think people understand that. Um, so no, I don't think they underestimate it. It was a great time in the market. It was a unique time. Go back to what I was just saying in the last question. You know, trade the market ever ahead of you. Uh, so um, no, I, I, I don't. You know, performance on the pitch will prove it. We've... Uh, it was a good time. We were getting paid out loads. 
uh, you know, we already trade this anyway, like gold days for European games. That's part of the bet that you make. I know the players that I suspect will be playing those games and then you profit from it. So, no, I don't think that. And I think there's so much more upside on these dividend the guys that return huge dividends because of the 100% increase. I, I keep saying that, but it's just, it just seems like a fact to me. Um, Pogba, I, I like I'm being asked about Pogba. Um, so Pogba is one of my most profitable players ever. Do I hold him now? Definitely not. Um, and then are his media days over? No, he'll always be a player that's in and around there. But, you know, he's got a negative sentiment on his price. You know, Pogba was like a must-have hold. For me, he was like the Sancho of the time, um, where you've got a player of unique set of circumstances that just make it like a no-brainer to hold. Back in like 2018, I'm going back to here, you know, you had Jose Mourinho. We all know Jose. Um uh, he's criticising him all the time. You've got you know, uh, Graham Souness that seems to have made it his own you know, you know, mission to criticise him every week. You know, every 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 uh, pundit panel has an ex-Man U player that wants to blame Pogba because he's their only decent player. Uh, he might be leaving. Uh, you know, it was a perfect storm. Uh, you know, back then you, did, you, know, you had more media days as well. You know, like, it was just like... A, and, this is really important, he was on penalties for Man United. Um, so there was a reason why he was as high as he was. So are his media days over? No, they're not. But does his media potential now? Solskjaer, he's a bit of a boring manager. He talks nicely about everyone. Um, and I reckon Solskjaer, I reckon Pogba, sorry, is going to sign a new contract. And he basically is playing defensive midfield. There used to be this whole debate that he should be played further forward. And they signed Bruno, and they just you know playing in a deeper position. Yeah, they're probably going to sign Sancho at some point. There's going to be other stars of the team. Rashford's really pushed on. There's more competition from him being the only star. So yeah, there's a negative sort of movement on his on his price. Now, other people might think he's going to go up. Yeah, he'll go up, and there will be media, but it's just not the same hold. But he's still going to be a good hold at the right price, and that's what people need to realise. Yeah, I think uh, people do need to realise that, and people need to. You know, think that, you know, when you are predicting the career trajectory of a player, it's so hard to think about some of these intangibles and, and, and the nuances of things like who would have known that um, Bruno would have had such an amazing impact at United, for example. Like there are things that are um, that take people by surprise, which have knock on effects. I think Panda likes to talk about it as like the headline story and then the kind of uh, bits underneath that, the dominoes that fall through it. Like, oh, wow, Bruno is the headline story. He's doing really well at United. What are the knock-on effects of that? Well, maybe Pogba has fewer chances to win PB because he's got a, a penalty-taking, goal-scoring midfielder who plays in front of him. Um, and it's just one of the beauties of the index, isn't it? Yeah, I love it. I love it. You know, uh, But look, you know, people follow the money. They follow when someone's going up or follow down. You've got to think of the wider picture, a bit of contrarian trading and like, Okay, I think this is going to impact this guy. Buy or sell, you know. And I know it's a three-year hold, but you know, I tend to think more in seasons or little periods and stuff like that. You know, um, he was—I loved him, absolutely loved him. I couldn't put enough money into him in 2018, and now I wouldn't touch him for a long time. But if he dropped to a crazy price, I would definitely buy it. I have a number in my head, and uh, that's the beauty of order books. I can now do that. I can like there is a price I have. It's not within the window that is priced at the moment, but there is a price where I think. Can you believe Pogba's this number? And I would buy him, but that's not there at the moment. Yeah. Got a question here from Pistol. Do you think that high baseline PB consistency is as important 
uh, as top-end peaks when looking at player historics. On that basis, who do you think are the current premium and young talents who are best suited to the PB matrix? Yeah, so I mean, I commented when I saw this one, this is an absolute grenade because it's like the, the peak score versus the base score. Um, and the, the, the poster child of this is is Kimmich um, at, at Bayern Munich. You know, I'm a big fan of Kimmich, you know, the idea. You know, people like to be so absolute. I'm a peak score guy. I'm a baseline guy. You know, I think this, I think that. You know, I think someone that's got a high baseline scores like Kimmich. I mentioned him specifically. Well, one, I do hold him, but two, just he is just the main guy for this. If he's there or thereabouts, if it was any, if I was talking about an equity portfolio or something, and I said this is someone that performs mostly great all the time, you know, you probably want some exposure. That steady Eddie, that'd be great. You know, but it, it becomes like, oh no, I'm a peak school guy. He's rubbish. You know, it, I just don't don't subscribe that to that at all. You know, um, but meanwhile, you want someone that has rubbish PB. And then every now and then they can do something crazy. Like there's someone like Nabry, someone like that. I don't own him, but like he can have some really high scores, but he has other games where he's not so near. Um, So both, you know, people like to label themselves as one or the other or various other tactics. I'm a short-term trader. I'm a long-term trader. Uh, You know, I'm a a premium guy. I'm a low-end guy. You can be all those things. You know, I have multiple strategies. Um, But someone that's got regular higher baseline scores 100% I want them in my portfolio but I'm also a guy that has terrible average and then has really high ones as well uh, but yeah so someone that's got high there's a bit of an anti-feeling around someone like Kimmage but yeah he's a must for me um, there's also, he also asked about young talents um, bit of an emotive one for another emotive one for traders um, the guy at St Etienne I'm going to try and pronounce his name now An- Anucci's uh, Fig, do you want to correct me on that one uh, Ashish I think Actually, a yeah, we'll go we'll go with AA or a deal I'm, I like the guy so much on first name terms um, oh. yeah he's scoring some great numbers at the moment he's only you know he's only 18 uh, you know starting games he's at that right level of club um, so yeah someone like that on the low end showing good base uh, you know you'll see but I'm not so keen to talk about pumping individual players or something, but you know, you look at these. We're all dealing on limited information, and people get so emotive by this. Um, and so you know, you're taking information, you go and you're making bets on them, improving that, going to better clubs, that kind of stuff. And that's the joy and absolute fun of the index that I, I love. So, and yeah, they're, they're two that I would I would uh, call out there. Uh, but I could be completely wrong. Personally, I think I'm not, but I could be. Yeah. <laughs> um, Johnny T here. Juventus and Real and Barca all seem to be in transition and at the end of their cycle. Do you have a next? Uh, do they have a next gen coming through, or should we expect a lot of investment in those teams? Uh, I guess you can have. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, we're in it. We are in a cycle at the moment where there's some top clubs that have, um, you know, a lot of older players. And you know you they are yeah you just know they're going to spend money or they're going to have to change their team soon. Um, yeah, there's some. Yeah, I mean everyone knows that he's not. It's not breaking news. You know, like uh, uh, you know, Puig, I love at Barcelona. There's talk about maybe him going on loan or something. He looks good. Uh, Reina, Rodrigo, Junior, Kubo, all these guys at Real. Kudasevsky is a bit of an index favorite. Uh, Kudu, um Juventus, Trincao, Fatty, Barcelona. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's loads of them. Yeah, who knows? I mean, again, that's the fun of it. I love the debates you can get with people on Football Index, uh, you know, like social or friends debating how good a guy is that's like basically a child 
and you and they played one game and you're like no it's gonna be the best thing ever and you know i would say out of those one of those is which one i don't know i, I own about half of those um but yeah I, there's definitely an opportunity there for for those clubs um and that's all all the fun of it like you can't really make that bet we said about it earlier you can't make that bet anywhere else so i, I, I enjoy that We've got a question here from FI Fairy, our last question. What can FI change with their marketing push currently? Any new traders scared off before they even understand by the volatility of prices? Interested to hear your thoughts. Yeah, so, I mean, first of all, I think, I think Adam Cole said this when you interviewed him. Uh, I hope I'm right on that. You know, like, you know, marketing is more than just attracting new customers. You know, when I read socials, I think people forget that. It's about reinforcing the message for current uh, customers. If I ever watch a game and I see Football Index on one of the perimeter boards, I love it. You know, uh, It doesn't direct me make, make another deposit, but it's just reinforcing it in my brain that this is a good product. Um, so existing customers and there's loads of customers. Yeah, we all obsess about this. And I've been chatting to you for a couple of hours now about this. And I tweet about it all the time. And I talk to my WhatsApp groups about it all the time. There are other guys that have joined, maybe put a little bit of money and forgotten all about it. And advertising is about encouraging them to get back involved. Um, yeah, and I think that's often forgotten. And then also, it's another one of my bugbearers. Like, uh, apart from the the whole whale chat of like uh, people were just mopping up the whole market, which I think is yeah, absolutely rubbish. Um, there's also this idea that this this sort of like new user thing scaring them away. Um, yeah, I, I, this, this probably doesn't make me sound like a great trader, but I remember when I joined, I was uh, probably like day two, day three, something like that of me being on there, not really having a clue what I was doing, but enjoying it. And um, Chelsea signed uh, Kepa, world record fee for a goalie. I, I don't even have to finish this. Story. <laughs> I'll tell you what a disaster this was. Um, and uh, I was like, yeah, it's going to be media, you know, like great. Uh, really understanding that goalies, especially at the time, were like nowhere on the index. Bought a load of him, made a deposit. He was on the trending list. It's like, oh, God, another red flag. And um, and then it started going down, down, down. I sold him, probably lost about 100 quid, something like that. And then did I think as a new user, little old new user, we always think that new users are all sensitive, like, oh, I need to exit this now because I've made a loss in that trade. I, for me, I thought, wow, these prices really move. This is a real opportunity here. So I made another deposit and I started trading. Like, uh, actually, that's when I started finding index gain and things like that. So I wasn't such an idiot. But um, yeah, this idea that new users are, are like have seen some drops. People have to understand that you, when you start, you have a small port and they're not suffering the same losses. And I think, Fig, you said on the previous pod, you know, they don't know that they used to be in an IS price from, from, uh, from FI. They don't know that we had a lopsided market with bids. They don't know that there used to be no PB, just me. All these uh, you know, in-play dividends when that launched and uh, everyone was like, this is the worst thing. And now it's the best thing. You know, they don't know that. They've just joined. It's like, oh, wow, NASDAQ. Oh, these prices are moving. Oh, they, you know, um, this, this, these look, prices look really good versus 100% dividends. So um, I, I, I think people shouldn't be worried about new users. They're just fine. They've signed up. They're big boys, big girls. They know... Uh, they know what they're doing and you know we've grown this far uh through all the ups and downs of being an early adopter of a product so i think i think we'll be just fine well i think that's all we've got time for uh, thank you so much for being on mate you've been a stellar guest um where can people find out more about you uh so these days mostly on twitter so perry uh, f index 
uh yeah that's mostly where i do my chatting awesome thanks so much for coming on mate it's been a pleasure um if you guys are commuting right now uh you know stay safe and look after each other if you're not commuting doing whatever you're doing hope you enjoy the podcasting whatever you're doing shout out to the non-commute crew sorry if i didn't get to answer all your questions i mean i didn't even answer any questions it was all perry uh, sorry if we didn't get to answer all these questions there were loads and a few came in last minute that we didn't manage to sneak under um football NX is a gambling platform only bit where you can afford to lose and stop when the fun stops never forget that thank you very much everyone for listening have a great day <laughs>